Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, let's get this thing going. Did anybody see the sky this morning? Was that not the most bizarre thing? Like I looked outside the window and it was cloudy, but it was so orange outside. Do you guys see that? It was like orange. So strange. Such a strange color for, a mo- for the morning. And you know, if you're, you know, if you're not from here or if you, you listen to this somewhere else, you know, our grass is turning kind of white because we've been a lot of sub-zero temps this past few weeks and you know, it's that time of year. Um, but I, I don't know if that contributed to it, but it was orange outside, you know? So interesting, you know? Me and Bill sitting, met this week, sitting at breakfast, and we're in the middle of a conversation, and it's like the place turned orange for a moment. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, and Bill looks at me, and he just kind of giggles, and I'm just like, kind of like, I saw that too. It's like the the tint of orange happened. It's like, do they got dimmers in this place? We're eating breakfast. And it's like, they got some type of orange light dimmers? I mean, it was strange. I was like, did you slip something in my drink, Bill? Like, what's going on? But he's seeing it too, so we're just like, whoa, you know. Yeah, that's funny. You know, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the most profound experiences that I had um, this year, actually, was a dream in which a, a man that I came to pray for me, and he had the most brilliant orange-amber-colored eyes. And he walks over to pray for me and he's holding my hands and I'm looking in his eyes and all I guess it's almost like those tiger eye marbles. You know what I mean? It's this bright orange and yellow color. And I was just so taken by it. Like you have amber colored. It almost looked like there was fire in his eyeballs. Just boom. And he was praying for me, holding my hands. And, and, and he says something along the lines of like, you're entering into a, a measure of the kingdom of heaven, which you've never had before, you know? And my hands were just absolutely, it felt like there was electricity on the inside of them. And, um, and it was certainly, and I'm not sure if he was cloud or if he was angelic or if he was the Lord, but he was one of them. And, and I, had, I had two like that this year, actually, two very similar. But it was just like he, my hands were like electrified, but not in a negative way. You know, it's buzzing. And I woke up, you know, with my hands, <laughs> my elbows bent, my hands up like this in my bed. I woke up like, oh, <laughs> you know, nothing okay. Yeah, I mean, that kind of thing is, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I had a couple of those this year. There's something, you know, the... The angels take the face of the prophets oftentimes and deliver the message of the kingdom. And um, it's, that happened to me twice this year, very profoundly. We talk about this sort of thing sometimes. It's like looking at the things that you've experienced through a year, prophetically and spiritually, the encounters you've had in the Lord, drawing from those things, um, what is the message of the Lord and has it become a part of me? You know? But yeah, so speaking of the, 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 the sky, you know, the, the orange hue that was over our... <laughs> over, creation this morning that was so it was so beautiful but i'll tell you what speaking of the message that god gave me um that's been my word for the year this year and it is one word in his kingdom and it's been so impressed on my heart even when i say it it's like i've we've said it a million times you know your kingdom come your will be done it's like this oh the kingdom of heaven all these things but there's something of the reality of that that one word that just hits me kingdom and it's like i'm waking up with it every morning going to bed with it at night, waking up with it in the morning. And it's, 
It's something to the reality of this message, the message of the Lord Jesus. The message of John, his cousin, before he, even, before he fully manifested, was like, repent because the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is actually here and you didn't know it. John, are you the Christ? Are you, the, are you a great prophet? Are you this? Are you that? I'm none of those things. But he actually is here, the one you're asking about. He's already here. He spooked them guys out saying that. Imagine looking through the crowds that were meeting at the baptism at the, at the Jordan, these hundreds of people. And, and John, this dreadlock prophet who's esteemed by all the people, who's got a voice that somehow is so anointed that everybody's drawn to come to him and doing this baptism of repentance that nobody, well, what does that even mean? They haven't been to Sunday school. They're not Christians. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's this message of I'm baptizing you with water, this ability to turn, but it's symbolic because there's somebody coming after me whose sandals I'm not, on, not even worthy to tie, and he's going to baptize you with something else, the Spirit of God himself. This is unheard of. Only the prophets ever had any encounter with the Spirit of God on this level, but they weren't baptized. They weren't submerged into the life of God and God inside of them and them inside of God. That, this is unheard of. And he says, behold, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Like, what are you talking about? The lamb that, that we sacrifice every year on Yom Kippur that takes away the sin for the year? No, he says the sin of not the Jewish people. The, he takes away the sin of the world. And this is an all time thing. You know, he's so far ahead of the game. And Jesus comes with the same message, this repent, this turn, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Just like John had said to the Pharisees, they're all, they're prodding him. They're trying to figure him out. He's like, it's already here, and He's already here. The incarnation has happened. God's come inside of mankind, and no one caught it. No one knew it. Herod tried to stop it and kill it. So many others did as well, but He's already here. And I'm not Him, but He's actually here. That's some boogeyman stuff right there. That's like, ooh. But what does He look like? Is He the tallest? Is He the most handsome? Is He the most muscular? You know, maybe He has... Red hair, like they said David had. Maybe he has, you know, all, you know, what, what does he look like? It's just like, no, you're not going to be able to figure it out this way. But he will baptize you with the Spirit and with the fire that will consume the entire religious system. Yeah, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing, but the kingdom of heaven is actually at hand. And Jesus comes talking about heaven is actually already here, and it's too late to stop it. Saul, what good's it going to do for you to kick against the goats? Too late, buddy. Playing for the wrong team. The kingdom of heaven's already here. I've already accomplished something you're fighting against that cannot be reversed. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom, the kingdom, the domain of the king, that's my word, the, the, the domain of the king, which is like everything in our life becoming what people, people call it radical, and even radical is a religious term these days, but it's like becoming so purely concerned with seeking that reality first above all other realities. And that being the prayer and the root of all of our prayers, Father in heaven. Oh, man. It's the family business. We're in. We're grand, not grandfathered in. We're fathered in, baby. You know what I mean? It's like we're in. It's blood. It's us. We're accepted. We're covered. And we're not asking to be in. We're asking for the kingdom to come in and through us into this world, this reality, man. It's so incredible, y'all. You know. And it's already here, like John's saying, like Jesus is saying, and like Jesus is demonstrating, like Peter the chip off the old block is saying, 2 Peter 1, right? Like, he's given you everything pertaining to life and to godliness. What are you talking about? You mean the inheritance of the kingdom when we die? Like, no, 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 no. Like, the inheritance is, has been past tense released. Isaiah prophesied that by his stripes we were healed, and Peter comes and prophesies over the top 
of Isaiah, an even higher level, I believe, because he says, and by his stripes you were healed in 1 Peter. So Peter comes and like, hey, this is past tense. Heaven's at hand. Healing is at hand. The wholeness of mankind has been released. It has been paid for. You can wait until heaven when you die for it. And that's your prerogative. But, but that's not God's prerogative. His is, his is here and it is now. It's, it's let your head be lifted up. Let your mind be lifted up that the king of glory may come in. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's a reality that's here and it is now. It's true. It's here, but I believe because of the poison of religion, people have become, and sometimes us ourselves, have become so accustomed to a limited version of the kingdom of heaven, of this walk, that we don't actually step into the fullness of this reality. It's even been taught. It's called doctrines of demons. It's even been taught the kingdom of, uh, already, but not yet. And all these clever sayings, you know what I'm saying? It's, there's a measure of it now, but not the whole thing, you know what I'm saying? In order to keep people satisfied living in the condition that they are in now and thinking that's okay, not being fully transformed. And I'm not even talking about tolerating sickness and death. I'm talking about tolerating the natures and the attitudes of Adam, you know? Pain, anxiety, pressure, fear, you know, anger, rage, whatever these things are, you know? And it's like, hey, the inheritance of God is actually here and now. And sometimes I believe it is so simple. This is the simple plan. It's, it's so very profoundly simple that we haven't seen it. And it's right, right in front of us the whole time. Yeah, man. It's true. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11.3, he said, But I fear his worry. I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. The, the simplicity of this reality. It's very simple. No, it's profound and it's all these. It's like, no, no, no. It's very simple. In the words of John, in the words of Jesus, repent because it's actually at hand means repent. Change your mind from this thinking that it's a far off and it's something that you will attain to later on, after death, all these different things. Repent and have a mind change to the reality that it is here and that it is now. They said it. He said it. And his word is unbroken. The greatest prophet of all time's word, Jesus said about John. But, but the word himself said it. And this is our reality. And the apostle Paul says, hey, this thing is simple. The way the serpent deceived Eve. We know how he deceived Eve. God's holding something back from you. He knows that when you do this, then you'll be like him. So do this, eat this fruit, then you'll be like him. You know what I'm saying? All these little tricks. Well, God's holding something back and eventually you'll have it. You know, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Or do this and then you'll be like, you know, there's something he's holding back from you. Peter comes in, in 2 Peter 1 and says, he has given you everything that you need pertaining to life and godliness. Like the kingdom has been released. John, uh, Dreadlock John the Baptist says it in John 3. says, he does not give the spirit by measure. Lord, pour out your spirit. Amen. You know, no, that's 2,000 years back. He didn't do it by measure. He's fully given it to you. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. I don't believe we're waiting for a move of the spirit. I, I believe we're true, what we're truly waiting for, we're all, well, what the Bible says that all creation is waiting for and longing for and groaning for in Romans 8 is for the sons of God to be revealed. Yeah, that's the real waiting. For people to believe what Jesus has said and to understand, come into agreement with, wait, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If it's not manifesting in my life, it's not on his end. He's not holding it back. I have to repent. 
which you guys know, this is, I have to have a change of mind and come into agreement. Our brains have been set in these grooves of unbelief, so we accept things that we should never set. Yeah. You know? But repentance is a rewiring, it's a changing of the mind. We, we're, so, we're so used to being thinking through the knowledge of good and evil, so it's like, well, repentance is like, don't do the bad things, do the good things instead. You know? it's, it's, it's not this at all. It's, it's like, change your mind to what has been accomplished on your behalf. And step into that reality, dude. You know what I mean? And, and like, this is what the Bible's talking about. But it's so simple and it's right there. So it's too good to be true. And that just sounds way too easy to be real. You know? But that's what they said about the eternal king walking around. They're like, this guy? John's like, you know, he's here. Then he comes, you know, if you look at John 4, when Jesus comes out of the wilderness, showdown with Satan himself for, you know, 40 days he's out there. He comes back. He literally shows up to the synagogue and he opens it and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me, right? He reads the book of Isaiah because he anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor, sent me to heal the broken heart, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Like, hey, it's officially on, you know, and he closed the book. He closed up that scroll and sat back down and he said, today it's fulfilled. This whole, this, what you've been reading, this was about me stepping onto the scene and it's, it's done with it's all, it's happened like, wait a minute, now, wait a second now, you know, it's going to happen. Like, no, 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 it's, this has happened Stuff, a couple thousand years back, you know, but what did they say? They bore witness, but they're like, this is, this can't be, this is Joseph's son. Like, no, we can trace this. That's what they said. This is Joseph's son. Like, we know him. We know his mother, his brothers, sisters. Like, this, it can't be this simple. And it can't be this real in the here and now. And this is the same mentality, you know. But Jesus is like, yo, listen, you're going to say to the, this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Like, it's not going to make sense to you. But assuredly, I say to you, no prophet's accepted in his own country. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up for three and a half years, and it was a great famine, but, but he was only sent to this one. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. And this really angered them. But what he's saying is like, hey, like the prophet not being accepted in his own town is like, you've become, this is religion. This is, this is religious Christianity even. We've become so... Uh, accustomed to the extremely limited version of Christianity that is just a family ritual and then we do this and then we go to eat and it keeps our kids off the drugs and, and you know what I mean, then God's sovereign so sometimes he does this and sometimes he does that but you can't, you know, we, we just plug it like this, yeah? And, um, but in the reality is it's like Jesus is saying like you've become so accustomed, the prophet is not accepted in his own town it's like y'all are so used to me y'all are so used to this that it's too it's impossible to think that this could actually be here right now and this is God this is, this is the, the one with the fire in his eyes um, and seven stars in his hand and the double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, the wool. You know, this is the I am, the eternal, the ancient of days, the ancient king, the, the, the ancient of days and the, the one like the son of man that approaches him. This is this Godhead being standing there. And we can see this by the spirit now and just like this cosmic deity embodied in a human form that's created all things, all matter, even light itself that he's used to create everything out of the sounds of his mouth standing there and, and like, yeah, like this is actually fulfilled. And it's just like they're looking at him and be like, can't be. Nah, I've I seen you, man. I, I know your dad, dude. 
I know your earth dad or your your stepdad, really, you know, whatever the, whatever they want to call them. You know, it's like ah, it, it, it was. They were just too accustomed to the that trap, that prison of familiarity, to expect anything else. And he gives them these stories, like, well, since your unbelief limits you from actually walking with me and seeing me, it will be just like it was in the old days, when those prophets who were anointed by my spirit actually did these miraculous, incredible things outside of town where, where people weren't so familiar and, and conditioned and groomed into unbelief, you know. But see, our brains through the, through the nature of Adam can be conditioned and groomed unbelief. They can have these grooves in them, these passageways, these neural, neuron passageways, you know what I'm saying? Fired to expect and be limited that, that we have the scriptures, that the spirit of God has come and it says like, don't be, don't be, conformed to this world and to these these passageways into this way any longer but be transformed by the spirit of god and the renewal of your brain it's like wait a second we can step into this relationship to the holy spirit and it's not just a shundai hundai you know oh well we're charismatics now it's like no this the gift of god's spirit within us is to actually transform our minds into coming to agreement with that which is and when we do we have the power to manifest that reality in the world. Yeah, and it's that simple, but it can be. I love that, you know, can you imagine uh, living, being Elisha, that prophet, and then Jesus, the I, Yahweh, the embodiment of God, telling a story about you? Wouldn't that just be the greatest honor, like him using your life to talk about, uh, to draw an analogy? Yeah, I mean, I think so too, Christopher. But it's like, it's, it's like, dude, it's amazing, you know? And how about, he's talking about, uh, what, Naaman the Syrian in 2 Kings 5. I think that's a beautiful story. I think that's a good, good place to uh, maybe uh, close up for today. How about that? Um, he's using the story about Naaman, and it's like, yeah, well, this story of Naaman, which is so hilarious, is a prophetic picture of us becoming so offended at the, simplis- the simplistic reality of what Jesus has done. When all he had to do was choose to follow through and walk it out. And so here's Jesus talking about people's unbelief and people being conditioned in this mindset. And he's drawing an analogy, which ends up ticking everybody off, of Naaman the Syrian. And, and the, the funny thing about Naaman the Syrian, he was, a, he was like this military leader, a commander um, of the army of the king of Syria. You know, so he was, in, you know, thousand years before Jesus is telling the story, he's this guy who would make war against the people of Israel. And Jesus is saying, yeah, well, nobody got healed back then because of their unbelief, except for somebody that actually wanted to attack our own people. And they're like, ah, you know, that's offensive. <laughs> you know what I mean? But God doesn't see enemies the way we see them, huh? You know? But he uses this story, and it's this really cool story, and it's, very, it's pretty short in 2 Kings 5. But he was this great, honorable man, this guy named Naaman. Um, because... By the Lord, it says, he had been given victory to Syria so many times. He was this mighty man of valor, but he caught leprosy, which at the time was this incurable disease where your body, you know, your body kind of starts to rot and then body parts fall off and stuff, and it's lethal, it's, you die. And um, no one knew where it came from. Some, nobody knew about armadillos and stuff, you know, or antibiotics back then. So no one knew where it came from, why, why you got it. It was obviously a curse from the gods or from whatever, you know, in their mind. 
and it was irreversible. And usually if somebody got it, they were like exiled away from everybody else because even though it wasn't contagious, they believed that it would be, I guess. So, uh, you know, um, the Syrians had gone out on raids and, 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 and captured a young girl from the land of Israel, actually. So it's like they were actually persecuting the people of God, you know what I mean, and kidnapped a young, girl, a young Israeli girl and had brought her in, uh, uh, and, and she was a servant in Naaman's house, actually. So the more you hear about the guy, the more crooked and evil you think he is. He's trafficking or he kidnapped a young girl from Israel and she was a servant in his house, so, you know, um, serving his, his wife. And, but it says at one point, she tells her mistress, she tells the lady she's serving, if only my master, talking about Naaman, the Jewish girl says this, were with the prophet who's in, who is in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. And so this sparked something, some sort of faith, like, wait, there's a cure? There's, there's, some, there's a mystic from, from the, the king of Israel has in his, on his team that uh, has the ability to, to heal me of this incurable death sentence of a disease? So it sparked something in him. And, and Naaman goes and tells his master, the king uh, of Syria, and he says, hey, listen, this is what she said. She says there's a, there's a mystic there that he's a prophet and he's got some type of gift and he can actually cure me. So the king of Syria is like, hey, why don't you go and I will send a letter to the king of Israel, an, an enemy king. I'll send a letter to him and, um, and just tell him, hey, here's an opportunity for a little bit of peace with us. I'm sending you my military commander. I'm asking you for help. This is a friendly exchange. Um, so he sends it to him. It's, it's hilarious because when the king of Israel gets the letter, he starts freaking out and he says, am I a God that kills and makes alive? Like, he's like, this is a trap. They're setting me up because they know it's impossible and he's trying to pick a fight with me. Hey, heal this guy. Oh, you can't? Well, then I'm going to kill you then. That's what he's thinking is happening. You know what I mean? They're asking me for something impossible and they're going to kill me when I can't do it. This is, this is a nightmare. You know, he's just, you know, cowardly. And, and Elisha, it says, when, when Elisha, the man of God, heard what the king of Israel had, he was tearing his clothes. I mean, he was going through the whole drama. Um, he's like, hey, wh why are you tearing your clothes? Let him come to me. And he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. He shall know that we connect to God. And so Naaman goes and with his horses and his chariot and, and, and brings all kind of wealth and money for Elisha. And he travels to where Elisha lives. And it says he sends a message. When he gets to Elijah's prop Elisha's property, he sends a messenger. Elisha sends a messenger to him. He doesn't even get up and, and go to the door. He doesn't even get up of his property and go out to the gate where, where they've met him. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I just picture him like Elisha sitting there playing dice or something with his buddies. Like, you know, for, it's like this is a king of another army. Like you have an opportunity to really make a good networking uh, connection there. But he doesn't even bother to stand up and go talk to the guy. He tells a messenger. He tells somebody. He's like, hey, buddy. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go, go tell the guy that's at the gate that's out there, go wash in the Jordan, the Jordan River. How about that? Seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and then you'll be clean. And that's brilliant, you know. Uh, we have this mystical Jordan River and we all know this as Christians. This is the place where the Israelites crossed over in order to go into the promised land. This is the symbol of the baptism of the Spirit of God that empowers you to lay hold of your inheritance. You know, it is the symbolism like John was baptizing in the Jordan. Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. The Spirit came. He went in the wilderness and then crossed the Jordan, coming back in the power of the Spirit. It is this symbolic 
um, view of, the, of inheriting heaven on the earth. It is the symbolism of Christianity, stepping into our inheritance and not backing down from the enemy. And so he's like, go into our river and dump yourself seven times. You know, I had to put on a, um, I got this, um, whatchamacallit, I got this um, automatic starter, right? For my trucks, so, you know, can turn it on when it's cold outside. And so when I did, I had to go through the instructions and plug the thing up. And it takes a minute, you know, even though it looks kind of simple. But it took me a little while and I was really proud of myself. That might not work for the message, but I wanted a little credit for doing that. <laughs> but in reality, um, Naaman's instructions were just dunk seven times, bro. It wasn't difficult. He didn't have to pull up a YouTube video like I did. You know what I mean? He didn't have to look where this plugged in and that plug. He didn't have to do these things. He just like, yo, just seven. Can you count to seven? Yeah. Go under the water and come back up seven times. Good as new. Like baby skin. And it's just like, this isn't something they normally did. But he gives them this real simple instructions to somebody who finally had hope. Somebody with a destiny that finally had hope. And it says, Naaman became furious. And he went away and he, said, and he said to himself, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me. He was that offended. He's like, he did not even come and speak to me face to face. I'm a big deal. He didn't even respect me enough to do that. His, his, his flesh got so, got so worked up because he wasn't like coddled and respected. Isn't that funny? I'm a big deal. Send a messenger to me. He's lucky I came to him. You know, this is ego. Ego, familiarity, ego, the things that keep us from walking by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So he becomes furious and he goes, surely he's going to come out to me. And I love this. Surely he will come out to me and stand. He didn't even get up off the table. I don't know if he could see him playing dominoes around, in the, in, like sitting there with his back turned to him and the guy stand up and he goes, well, is he not going to, you know what I mean, whatever. Uh, but he's like, surely he will come and, and stand and call on the Lord as God and wave his hand over the place. He wanted the show. He'll wave it. At least he'll wave. He'll do something spiritual. And that's, oh, we want a move of God. You know, let's worship all night and cry out and the outpouring of the spirit. And this, the latter day, you know, all the, oh, we got to have this thing. It's just like we want all this hype when really it's just an excuse to not follow through the instructions that's been given to us by the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And we're wanting the show. Wave your hand and make a big deal about it. And, 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 and I feel like the word of the Lord there is like, hey, it's really practical. That seven dip, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is, that is something that, you know, it's, we have seven days in our week. It's a full-time thing. It is, a, it is a process. It is continual. You're committed. You know, we understand all the symbolism. Yeah, right? You know, we understand the seven spirits of God. Revelation 1, Revelation 4, like that represent the Holy Spirit. You know, the sevenfold spirit of God of Isaiah 11. You know, the spirit of the Lord and of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. These seven, the seven eyes of, the, of Zechariah 3 and Zechariah 4, the seven spirits of God. You know, we understand this is talking about Christianity and us walking by the spirit instead of by the flesh. Right? We all know these things because we can see them in hindsight. You know what I'm saying? We understand 1 Corinthians 10 and Romans 15 that says these things were written for us. Naaman didn't know, and Naaman was ticked off about it. But it's also so similar. Jesus is telling this story, and they get all ticked off about it. But it's like, hey, 
You're so familiar with me and the way you think things are going that it's offensive to you that I'm saying, this is already fulfilled. It's here. It is now. And this is us. This is us and this is the religious machine and the religious mentality that floats over the world. It's like the kingdom is actually at hand. Kingdom, that word, you know. Luckily for Naaman, he's so furious. And he starts talking trash about the Jordan River. Or not Abana and, you know, Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Like, could I get to go dump it? Can I go uh, dipped in them? It says, so he turned and went away, went away in rage. Wow. It says, his servants came near and spoke to him and said, hey, my father. This is speaking some common sense to somebody that's enraged. And probably walking a little bit on eggshells, I would imagine. He's a big deal. And says, hey, if the prophet would have told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean? It's like, hey, man, if he would have told you to go, go up Mount Sinai and pick a, pick a lotus flower that's up there and pour some honey on it and lick it three times and then swallow the whole thing and spin around five times and shout to God and make an altar, wouldn't you have gone through that thing? You know what I mean? Because that would have been a big spiritual deal. You know? But like... Does it really offend you that he's giving you this simple task of just dipping in this random little river that doesn't seem like any big deal to us? Is it that hard to just follow through and walk this walk out without the bells and whistles, you know, without the hoopla? Could it be that it's real? Could it be that the kingdom of heaven is actually at hand? Really, could it, could it be that he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness and we already have it? We're not reaching out for it. He's given it to us. And that we just have to have a change of mind and accept that which what is. This repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This come into agreement with the reality that is here that is now. Could that be the case? Could it be the case that our sins were put upon him and placed upon him on a tree? So we're not still jumping through hoops trying to get those things to feel not ashamed. You know what I mean? And to feel accepted by God. Could that be our true reality, the way the Bible says that it is? Could it be that by his stripes that you personally were fully made whole? That mankind was made whole at the cross? And we have the ability, if we're not experiencing that, to have a change of mind, to come into agreement with that reality until it is our reality? That he's waiting on us? Do you think that like he's bleeding out? You know what I'm saying? going through everything he wanted, went through for us, the most excruciating, just torture and all this, all this stuff, dealing with the Romans, whipping him and beating him and mocking him and all this stuff, and saying things like, it's finished. Do you, could it actually be what he said happened happen? And that his, Father, your will be done. Well, the will of God's a strange thing. So, you, know, he, you know, it's like he, these mentalities, he gives and he takes away. You know, the bad advice from Job that we've made as if it's God's advice in the world. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Could it actually be that he's fully extended himself to, to make us whole? And all he's seated in heaven waiting for us to make his enemies his footstool means to come into agreement with everything that he's done. That we don't have to, we don't have to guesswork at God's will. Maybe it's God's will that I'm going through this so that I'll be a stronger Christian and believer. You know what I'm saying? But maybe it's actually his will was settled on the cross, on the tree, and that we were healed then. 
that we were made whole then, our anxiety issues, our disorders, our, our emotional trauma, our, our fears, our pains, our sickness, all these diseases and these autoimmune. Could it literally be this way? I say, yeah. I say that's what the Bible actually says. And the only way to ration ourselves out of it again is to cook up doctrines or take things out of, out of context in order to fit our experience. But it sounds like repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. It's like, hey, change your mind and go all in with what I say. This is kingdom. And if it's my kingdom, and if it's loosed there, it's free there, then it's loosed and it's free on the earth. And if it's bound, if it's not allowed to be there, then you bind it here on the earth. I've given you these keys. Imagine this. The whole thing is so congruent. Isn't it though? Imagine if, if this year everyone stepped into a mentality, maybe a greater one so, if you, maybe you're already there, but of like, hey, I'm going to live my life according to the plans and purposes of the Lord in his kingdom. Because Jesus comes and he starts saying things like, hey, seek the kingdom first and all that you need will be added to what if our what if our five-year plan or a two-year plan or a one-year plan wasn't like okay well this works better for here and this works better for that da, 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 da. what if it's just like what's the kingdom where's the kingdom's strategy where is your plan and purpose what if that was our directive in everything we do the lord would then would really be our shepherd huh yeah yeah it's 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 pretty wild Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is single, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. What is this? Your way of, if your way of seeing is single, if kingdom is your focus, your whole body, your life will be full of light. My physical body? Well, surely not. Well, yeah. What if it's the whole, your whole livelihood, your whole life will be full of light in the direction of God? He says, no one can serve two masters. That's what he's talking about. And it's like, you can't serve... The, the, the money and the plans of the world and, and be trapped in this rat race, you know. The eye is the lamp of the body. If you have a single eye, you won't, you'll be free of it and your body will be full of light. You'll be walking forward in wholeness. This single mentality. It's funny because when we quoted that Apostle Paul scripture about, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be corrupted from the simplicity. That's actually singleness. It's actually single, just like if your eye is single. Don't, don't be corrupted from the, sing, the singleness that is in Christ. This, this focus of coming into agreement with exactly what he's paid for, what he's walking you into. Wholeness. All of creation is groaning and longing for it. You know, and that's what church is actually about. People that hold each other to that same standard of belief. The biblical standard. Good old Naaman, dude. Naaman said, okay. I got a little angry. I'll go do seven dips. Not happy about it. But imagine that. It's like we would think in our view of God, oh, you're going to have a bad attitude like that? Then it won't work. Go home. You know what I mean? But God in his goodness and kindness sees the manifestation. He says, that's my son. He's not an Israelite. Neither am I. Right? You know, I am, but I'm not. You know, it's just like I, it's, you're all from me. You know, it says, hey, he's in pain. He's in fear. His ego, it's got him where he was, but he's driven by fear. It's not really who he is. I still love him. I want to help him. I want the simplicity of this walk. I want him to show him this. Uh, come on. You know, his angel gives the elbow. A couple angels give the elbow to the servants. Like, come on, go talk to him. I'm not talking to him right now. He's angry. He's going to smack me in the head. Just go talk to him. 
hey, master, you think if it was a big deal, you would have done it? Maybe you should try the seven dips. I mean, we're all the way here. All right, I'll do it. You know, just spitting mad. That's <laughs> mad as a mug, dude. What does he do? He goes and he dips seven times. Dips seven times in the Jordan, the sevenfold, the process. Well, I tried it. It didn't work. It's like, yeah, it's seven days a week. It's full time. It's the number of wholeness. It's the number of, like, wholeness. Jesus Christ makes you whole. Peter's quote. It's like this reality. It's like this is, this is the way you live. It is a life that you live. It is not a thing you do or did. It is a life that you live. And it's like, so you do it seven times. And can you just imagine him going under the water and then coming up and looking at his leprosy under his arm and ticked, rolling his eyes, going under again, looking at it again. You know what I mean? But, you know, and I, I imagine this, and I, this is maybe too much mustard on the hot dog, but I imagine him just doing, I'll, fine, I'll just do, just doing seven dips, like, fine. You know what I mean? Raising that, that armpit up and being like, whoa, you know what I mean? And just like, yeah. So maybe it's too much, but I enjoy it, and I drank coffee this morning, so a little bit of, a little bit of, you know, but, you know, don't add anything to the word, you know. Don't add anything to the word. But uh, anyways, he went down and dipped seven times, and um, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. This ain't no Botox. This ain't no microderms. You know what I mean? But this dude came out looking young. Can you imagine that? Like this old, you know, this old dude, and he comes, and he's just got that tight skin on his face. Like, whoa. <laughs> you know, he looked like a youngin. Teenage naming. Um, you know, but it, it doesn't say his face, but, you know, I like that. But so he comes up and he's healed. And um, he literally goes back to, to give thanks. You know, he returns to the man of God, him and all of his aides. And he came and he stood before him. And, and he's just like, I know there's no God in heaven and earth except for the one in Israel. Please take a gift from your servant. And Elisha, this time he talks to him, but he just talks to him to tell him he won't. As the Lord lives before whom I say, I'll receive nothing. He urged him to take it and he refused, which I love that too as well. It's like, yeah, you know, Elisha was doing well. He was doing well before he was a prophet. If you read the stories, like he was, he was really doing well in his family and stuff. But, but um, it was like, this isn't about, you're not buying this, dude. This is free and this is for you. You know what I mean? Like he's like, I don't even care. This is about, this is between you and him. He did this for you. I didn't do anything. You just went and followed through. You know, we, we try to trace everything to a human. It's, it's so beautiful because this is Christianity and this is. Let this be our life for the rest of our life. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's seven dip. Like, like hey, like, let, our, let our life be submerged in the life of God. In the life of the Jordan, you know what I'm saying? In the life of his death is because Jordan, the Jordan flows in the Dead Sea. It's like, you know, it's like a, this symbolism of like we've become one with him in this baptism. We come out and we're fully alive. We're fully alive. And it's like we have all these plans and all these purposes and stuff. It's like, hey, no plan and no purpose. Everything is secondary to actually being conformed into the image, being transformed by this reality in our mind, by spirit. You know what I mean? But he wouldn't let him take a gift, so he, he, begged, he, he asked to be given two mule loads of earth and said that he would no longer offer uh, burnt offerings or sacrifices to the other gods. So he literally took the land of Israel. He took all this dirt 
so that he could come back to where he lived and almost just like make a sandbox, you know what I'm saying? So that in that box, he was in Israel and he was aligned with the God of Israel. That's what he was doing because that's how the territorial gods worked. And so he got this, you know, he gets this pad in his house like I'm going to where he's worshiping the God of Israel. Now we understand this. There is no limit time space. And, and, and they let him have it, you know, because that's how things worked back then. But uh, uh, the way things were set. Um, but isn't that just a beautiful story? Golly. But it's what's another beautiful thing is that Jesus is sitting there talking about it. You guys have trouble explaining. You're not entering in. He'd go places, and they say he couldn't do much because of the level of unbelief. They were so familiar with him that they limited God in their midst, which we think, well, that's that can't happen. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like, hey, we are incredibly powerful, created in the image of God, and if we come into agreement with Him and who He is, and we don't condition ourselves to expectations that are of this fallen place, we step into this reality of what is at hand, and it is heaven. It is the kingdom of heaven, and this is what we're supposed to do. Yeah, man. The message is always, it is the kingdom. It is the kingdom of, it, of heaven is at hand. It is your message and it is my message. It is for us, but it is our message to them, to the outside. It is our message to the world. You know. I wrote a couple things. I don't know if they'll work, so let me just read them. Um, and I'll cut them off if they don't. But the point a year of spiritual pursuit and alignment. And maybe, okay, so I, I did some kind of the way I do questions, the, the way we do kind of homework, and um, you can write it or you can just listen, re-listen to this and, and somebody can make it out of that. But I think it's important to, even in this year, identify what you're wanting to gain in this walk with the Lord concerning His kingdom, this reality. His reality that you want to step into as your full reality and be set on that. Even this, is there an aspect of freedom that you can identify that you want to step into? Which literally would mean, is there areas of life that you don't feel free or you're willing to acknowledge like, I'm not there. I'm still dealing with whatever, it's anger or anxiety or something like this, you know? Is there an aspect of freedom that you want to identify that you want to step into? And in that connection, sometimes, especially with God, I think it's so important to ask the right questions because he leads us right into, because that's where things get real and he leads us in that, you know? And the next one would be like, what do you feel drawn to pursue in the Lord? Like, where is your hunger at? We, we mention it a lot, like following your hunger. It's something the way the shepherd leads. Um, but is there a sense of drive or motivation? Um, because something you're wanting to grasp. Mine is, I have several, but it's, it's, I am pursuing belief. I think that was one of the most powerful moments for me, even this year, was even teaching the story of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha standing up here in June or sitting up here and teaching that and Jesus saying, hey, I want you to believe me. Like, Martha, I told you this. Believe me. He's like urging, he's urging a level of belief to come higher into believing him and to, into rewiring and to, into going all the way in. And I remember it, it broke me standing here, which is not even like me. And I didn't know what I was going to face. 
four days later from that. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, um, you know, it was some of the most challenging things that I'm thankful for now at the same time. But it's like, hey, it's like we're, we're sinking our roots into, the, into the, real, the depth of reality where the river of life flows in order to manifest it in this life. And uh, there's, there's, there's nothing else worthy as worthy of pursuing than this reality. The reality of the kingdom of heaven being at hand. The reality of what Jesus has paid for, you know. And, um, but I'll tell you, the things that you pursue, whether it's uh, those, those things you're wanting to, to be led into certain freedoms or the things you're drawing to pursue, the place where your hunger is, it's so often where he's leading. But I'll tell you what, it will almost always, and not even almost, it will always coincide with the walk of wholeness. And it's simple. It's like, go dip in that thing seven times. It's like, what? Like that simplicity was the reality of heaven being walked out for this man. And when he chose to practically walk out, to follow through, to have um, constants in his walk. I don't know if this is a word, but, you know, to be steadfast about it, it became his reality. You know, this is the, this, the walk of disciples. The kingdom of heaven is at hand and it's real. That's another thing Lord's told me a lot this, this year. Things would happen and he would show up and I would just hear him say, it's real. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it oh yeah, it's real. It's like, it's real. Like, it's all real. Han Solo, it's like, dude, hey, it's all real. It's all real. It's not deception. It's real. You know, your scholar, your student, you can read it. You can see it. It's all real and you experience it if you believe it. So, well, Lord, we thank you that your kingdom is at hand. And Lord, I ask you for that grace to have a mind that is changed and transformed by your spirit. To pray by your spirit, to be edified in your spirit, to, to be built up by your spirit, even in the mind. Where even in our minds, we've, we've set up these grooves, these pathways, these ways of thinking, of accepting, of accepting things that aren't of you. Like, I, Lord, I ask you to help lead us into making new ones that we are wired to believe that we are wired for faith that we are wired for the impact of of what the sons and daughters of god this capability that we haven't even tapped that all of creation is groaning for i ask that we would be the people that manifest your power and your fruit the peace and the joy of your holy spirit lord I ask that this year would be a year of exuberant joy that praise would break out even in this house the way it broke out with David. But clothes would stay on, obviously. But that, that praise and exuberant worship and connection and the celebration of what you've accomplished would really, those lights would turn on within us. And that it would be contagious here, that it would be contagious in our walk, in our life, and that the transformation would be like the fatted calves that have been stall fed out in the community, like looking different, feeling, smelling different, health wholeness lead us into this reality i know that it is for us amen